Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Peacock, presenting critically acclaimed originals for your Emmy consideration. Stream limited series Apples Never Fall, starring Annette Bening and Sam Neill, and The Tattooist of Auschwitz, based on the best-selling novel. Plus, TV movie Mr. Monk's Last Case and the semi-animated In the Know from Mike Judge and Zach Woods. Finally, head to the Highlands with Alan Cumming in the hit competition series The Traitors. Peacock is your consideration destination this Emmy season. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. It is Monday, April 17th. Like so many things in Hollywood, movie releases were a lot simpler even a few years ago. There were movies in theaters, judged every Sunday based on their box office gross, released publicly, and measured against their production budget. And then there were movies made for streaming. We rarely saw how those performed, what the streamers actually spent on production. The pandemic changed all that when theatrical windows collapsed, and the traditional studios started experimenting with day-and-date releases at home and in theaters. And now, coming out of the pandemic, the opposite is happening. Streamers like Apple and Amazon are putting more of their movies in theaters exclusively first. Amazon has vowed to give full runs in theaters to up to a dozen movies a year via its MGM and Amazon Studios labels. And this summer, Apple will debut a Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, in theaters first. A couple weeks ago, Amazon dropped the Ben Affleck movie Air, about the Nike executives who signed Michael Jordan, into 3,500 theaters in the U.S., and it did okay. Or did it, is the question. A $20 million gross for the five-day holiday weekend is a decent showing these days for an adult drama, except for the fact that Amazon paid $130 million for air in an auction before it was made. A huge windfall for Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Skydance, and a few others involved. Knowing that 130 number, though, is air a hit? After all, Amazon wasn't even going to release air in theaters until it turned out great and they thought it could work. If it does an extra $50 million in theatrical grosses, that's gravy, right? Kind of not really. That's what we're going to talk about today with Lucas Shaw, our Monday guy. With all the different metrics for success and how secret everything is, it's become harder than ever to figure out if a movie is actually a hit. And that matters to a lot more people than just you and I who want to make fun of the flops. These perceptions matter to the talent and to their careers, and they matter to the deal makers who determine who gets paid what and ultimately how this art is valued. Who captures more of that value, the talent or the distributor? So today, is air a hit, and why that's harder than ever to answer. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw of Bloomberg, just returned from Coachella. How was it? It was excellent. Rosalia, the the Spanish singer, was far and away my, my favorite performer of the weekend. And I got out before... Frank Ocean, who was the headliner Sunday night, who seemed to, you know, be a big disappointment. And how was your traffic experience? 
uh, the traffic getting there was unpleasant. It's one of those drives where even though we left pretty early on Friday, like every 10 minutes, the ETA would just get pushed back. So it seemed like it was going to be two hours and a half. Oh, Ended up those being like, lie. Th- those was like lie. four plus. But the drive back, because we came back on a Sunday, not Monday, was very easy. All right. Yeah, that's that is I'm until they send a helicopter literally to my house and drop me on the polo grounds. I am not going to Coachella. You just have to have a the right friend who has a house walking distance. And the, then the, the secret is you should always go out Thursday night. That's true. I saw some photos from the the agent Richard White's at a party. Yes, he sent he sent you a photo of him and me. <laughs> yes. I was hoping you would be wearing some ridiculous outfit, but alas, you have grown up and you do not wear those anymore. God, the outfits at Coachella are amazing. All right. I have been fascinated by this movie Air, the Ben Affleck movie that was released in theaters by Amazon. It's been doing pretty well according to the traditional metric of a you know adult drama post-pandemic getting up to about 33 35 million so far um that would be considered okay except for one glaring piece of information amazon paid 130 million dollars for this movie and that raises the question is air actually a hit because if you look at the numbers here You've got Netflix and Apple paying about this much for similar movies that they are putting directly on the service. Apple's going to more theaters now, but Netflix is definitely paying this kind of cost for movies that it puts directly on the service. And now we've got Amazon buying a movie like this. They realize it's good. They think there's an audience in theaters. They put it in theaters. It does okay. Is this a movie a hit? Are we are we really declaring so air is probably going to hit what 50 million domestic 50 to 60 or most estimates yeah is domestic. that is that really a hit when you have two huge stars in Matt Damon and Ben Affleck I get that if you had like a if you had a a drama with like no names in it it would be considered a hit but if you're going to do one where even taking Amazon and the the inflated cost of that out of the equation if a, a traditional studio made that movie because of the the talent cost it would still cost what, $50 million to make, $60 million to make? Mm, you could do that movie for probably between 20 and 30 if people took deferred payments. and If they in. thought it was an awards movie and all. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing here is that Affleck spent $90 million on this movie to make it. There was a $40 million premium that the participants all got here just for their services. And they bought out, Amazon bought it out. But if you make this movie under the traditional model with people taking deferred salaries and stuff, you could probably do it for 2030. It's not expensive to make. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be. It's a bunch of guys sitting in conference rooms talking with one another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, you know, The Last Duel had Affleck and Damon, and that thing made $10 million domestic, 30 worldwide, and cost $100 million to make. So, Well, but so there's my point. that I mean, I get that there was... there. It costs more because of of the subject and what was in it. But I think any movie with Affleck and Damon is going to be kind of expensive. Okay. But here's but what I want to talk about is not necessarily the star power of these guys. I want to talk about the metrics of success here. Because we are in a world where no one really knows whether a movie is a hit. Especially as we see these streamers doing more theatrical plays and we're going to have a huge expensive martin scorsese movie coming out this summer killers of the flower moon with leo dicaprio 
this thing supposedly costs 250 if you believe even the lower estimates and they're going to put it in theaters and then it's going to go to apple and is that a hit if it does okay if it does 100 if it does 200 if it does 300 in theaters like what should well, movies cost these let's, days let's take a step back because a part of it is this is the this whole question of what is a hit in streaming right do you think ha, has netflix released movies that you would consider hits well, according to Netflix metrics, things like Red Notice and, you know, Don't Look Up and the Russo Brothers thing that came out last summer that was like a movie made by AI. Or smaller ones where, you know, <laughs> movie made by, that's a good one, Murder <laughs> Mystery, which they made a sequel to, so clearly they liked it, The Tall yeah, Girl. And it does numbers on Netflix, but that that is an old debate. Whether a movie is a hit on Netflix is an old debate. The new debate is when you put movies in theaters in addition to streaming services, what is the right price to pay for those movies? Because as we know, it costs money to do a theatrical release, 3,500 theaters. The economics of a movie release are you split the box office with the theaters. So if let's say air does 50 million total, Amazon is only getting 25 million of that. They probably spend about that much to put this movie out there and market it and do promotion and fly Ben Affleck all over. So they probably aren't going to make that much money on the theatrical release, but it gets to this whole question of, is this all just marketing for air dropping on Amazon Prime Video, where it will no doubt be huge. Yes. There, <laughs> I, I, That's your answer? Short answer, my, my, yes. My, my answer is it, it, it is marketing. So the, the, the goals are different for different studios, right? So if you're a Universal or a Warner Brothers or a Disney, you still want to make money from the theatrical release. That's a huge priority. Now, I think that the goals have shifted in that the theatrical is not the be-all and end-all. I, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with a senior executive at one of those companies I just referenced, and they described the theatrical movie basically as a loss leader for the like the rest of it, meaning you lose money on that because it contributes to something down the line. And they figure, okay, we're going to spend a bunch of money, market this movie in theaters, we'll make some money, we'll get some of our money back, and then we're going to sell it online in some cases before, you know, David's yeah, Aslab. All the different windows, PVOD. They do PVOD, they do all those things. And and then it gets to streaming, where in the case of at least some of those studios, in the case of a, a Universal or a Paramount or Sony, certainly, they license it to other streaming services. And so how well it does at the box office affects how much they make there. And so there's a whole, what you know, what's called in the industry a waterfall of how they make money as the project goes along. And so movies that seem like they're money losers in theaters, oftentimes actually make money in the long run. And so I do think that's that's worth it. For the streaming services... They cut out a lot of those other ways of making money. And so it really does just service to serve to market the streaming service, generate awareness. Because we know, looking at the Nielsen data, for example, for some of these projects, that a lot of the best performing movies on streaming are those that got theatrical releases. And a big reason for that is because of the marketing that went into them, which is so much greater than happens for some of those Netflix movies we talked about. But answer this question. Why doesn't Warner Brothers make $130 million Ben Affleck adult dramas. If you are the head of Warner Brothers, Mike DeLuca, Pam Abdi, and you make air and you spend $130 million on it and it opens to 20 and it ultimately does 50, you worry about getting fired. 
And these days, Warner Brothers has pretty much the same model as Amazon Studios does on this movie. Warner sends all of its movies to HBO Max after the theatrical window. That streaming service, while not the same as Amazon Prime Video, they are trying to build up subscribers. They are trying to monetize their content through subscription fees. And they're also, just like Amazon Studios now, trying to make money in theaters. So why can Amazon spend this kind of money on a buyout and Warner Brothers can't? Well, because they're Amazon. Because they don't have to make money from <laughs> so, their but, streaming service. But by service. saying that, you're saying it doesn't make financial sense. They well, just do it because they're Amazon. Partially, yes. But partially, we've seen this with every new player, right? Is when they first come in, they need to spend more than prudence would suggest because they have to establish themselves to... They have to establish with customers that they have good movies and they have to establish with talent that they not only can produce a good movie, but they know how to release it and get people to watch it. All right, well, Amazon has been in the movie business for 10 years now. Jen Salky, when she got this top job at Amazon, went to Sundance and paid a bunch of money for movies that didn't work in theaters. And she basically said, why am I wasting my time? on this. Let's just put them on the service. And now they are backtracking on that and spending more money on but theaters. But if you, if you look at Amazon's output relative to, say, Netflix, yes, Amazon's been at the game for as long as Netflix. I'm with you. Their track record re relative is nowhere near. But they have not funded or produced nearly as many movies, especially not original movies, as Netflix. They went shopping at Sundance one year. Great for them. They went shopping at Sundance and festivals a little before that to compete for awards. That gave them Manchester by the Sea and that Kumail Nanjiani movie, The Big Sick, and a bunch of other titles. But Netflix funds and produces like 50-plus titles a year. Amazon has probably done like that total in the last five years. So Yeah, well, and we should say Netflix has way more subscribers. It is the primary business of the company, whereas Amazon is not the primary business of the company. We do not know how many people are actually interacting with their Amazon Prime Video service. That is a mystery to us. A lot of the numbers here are mysteries to us, and we have to acknowledge that even though uh, we are instituting a rule on the town that we are not going to bitch about the lack of transparency anymore because everybody knows our feelings on this. It sucks. They shouldn't do it. It does a disservice to everybody in the entertainment economy that all the streamers hold this information close to the vest. Um, but given that they do, we have these public metrics to judge them by. And it would seem that Amazon putting air in theaters for $50 million um, is basically a very expensive marketing endeavor. Yeah. And they can, look, and to, to the, the conversation we were having, they do get some of the money back, right? Like, I don't know, you 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 said that the eight-figure marketing campaign, it sure seemed like they spent a lot of money on marketing. They may not even get that back from theaters because if this movie makes about $50 million, they take, say, you know, 25 of that or give or take, that they probably spent more than $25 million on marketing. So yeah, they 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 spent a bunch of money to market a project. Um, and if you're Amazon, you can do that. If you're Apple, you can do that. You can't do it forever. At a certain point, that, that bill is going to come and people are going to start asking questions. But they've gone through phases where they they overspend on TV and then they they start to be a little more rational or they, their priorities shift. And then they do it for movies. We've sort of seen this, this, this game play out before. You're right. What's different now is they're actually embracing theatrical as part of the marketing strategy.
Right. And and we've talked about this before and how that is specifically designed not for theaters, but for the service. But what we don't know, and, and my colleague at Puck, Julie Alexander, wrote an interesting piece about this, is the the element that remains a mystery is what kind of content exactly moves the needle for each service and where they see the biggest return on investment. And for Amazon, that return on investment is manifested in several different ways. How many products you buy when you are interacting with the service, whether you stick around for more of the same, if they have other Ben Affleck, Matt Damon content that can keep you in. And those are the variables we don't see when we talk about success for these streaming services. And with when you talk about theatrical, I just don't know why the theatrical, you know, why not just spend $25 million to market a streaming release? Because if marketing is the key metric here, why do you even need the theatrical release? Just spend the money to tell everybody you've got a great new Ben Affleck movie on Amazon Prime Video. Well, because talent likes it when their movies are in theaters. And I do think that... But Ben said in interviews, he did not expect this to get a theatrical release. Well, I think there's, there's a belief that the act of going to the theater sears a movie into your brain a little bit more than watching something at home. Because something at home, you're distracted. It's just a little bit more disposable. And I, I also think that they've seen the rebound uh, or, or the performance of certain movies recently and wondered, why can't we do that too? I mean, Amazon has made a commitment to release a bunch of movies in theaters. It's clear that they see value in it. They bought a company. And they MGM. bought MGM and they're keeping all those distribution people. Yeah. Do you think that a movie, if they spent the same budget for marketing for a movie released at home as in theaters, would it have the same impact? I think probably. I do. I mean, not not in the sense that like people will remember the movie and it will become something like a franchise or something like those do require theaters. But I think you can get a lot of people to see your movie on your service if you market the shit out of it. And we saw that when Netflix does marketing, it works. Marketing works. I mean, there's a reason why. People in these studios spend tens of millions of dollars letting us know about their movies. It works. People pay attention to them, and they don't pay attention to them when they don't. Now, Netflix has this incredible algorithm and incredible customer base where they can serve you up something that you're probably going to like, and it takes a lot of the marketing expense out of the equation. But I think even Netflix is realizing that if you want to create lasting awareness and IP generation, you have to tell people about the movie outside of the Netflix ecosystem. Um, because so much of the value of these franchises and these movies are awareness among people who don't even see them. You just know that it's there. Even if you don't see Red Notice, because Netflix did a bunch of marketing and The Rock was out there promoting, you kind of know what it is and there's value there, even if you've never seen it. And I think that does exist outside of a street of a theatrical play. Do you discount the money that they can make from the theatrical release? Like, do you think that obviously Apple and Amazon are not releasing in movies and theaters primarily to make money? But do you think that that's a factor? Because if you're going to spend $50 million, $100 million to market a movie, 
you get at least some of it back by creating an initial window. Yes, exactly. And for certain types of movies, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is a proven movie star. And when he puts a movie out in theaters, it tends to do a couple hundred million dollars. Now, if this Scorsese movie is four hours long, I think that absolutely cuts into the amount of money that this movie can make. Um, If it's three hours long, it would cut into that. But there's an audience for that movie in theaters. Some of these other movies that Netflix, that Amazon and Apple are doing will have a theatrical audience. The Formula One movie with Brad Pitt from the Top Gun Maverick director, that's a theatrical style movie. You know, The Electric State, this um, Russo Brothers movie that Netflix is doing, if they put that in theaters, it would probably do pretty well if it had an exclusive window. Knives Out 2 would have done very well if they had kept it in theaters. There are certain types of movies, I think, that can do well for these streamers in theaters. I don't know that a adult drama about sports marketing shot in an office building doesn't matter that it has stars. This movie, I don't think was ever going to be a hundred million dollar grocer domestic. And Amazon is now finding that out because Ben delivered the best possible version of this movie. And it's still not going to do that much in theaters. So then what do you make of a movie? Like uh, I'm going to screw up the name because I always do, but a man called Otto that, did hit $100 million. Tom Hanks, pretty, you know, run-of-the-mill movie, but it got there. Yeah, it got there worldwide, 64 domestic. So, you know, yeah, that's that's a little bit more than the Ben Affleck movie. You know how much A Man Called Auto costs to make? $50 million. Yeah, a lot less than 130. So, that's, But that's, that, to my point, I think Air made by Warner Brothers or Sony, which made A Man Called Auto, would have been $50 million. Yeah, that's true, probably. Yeah, we're not counting in the, the buyout aspect here, you know, because Amazon is buying out all the rights, and Ben has his company, Artist Equity, that I've also written about, which is, you know, their whole thing is they are putting together appealing packages for these streamers to buy at outsized prices so that Ben can pay all of his cast and crew a lot of money to make these movies, and they're getting all the rights. You know, now Ben is also trying to work in deals where he can get these copyrights back and own the movie at some point. It'll be interesting to see how far he gets in that endeavor to try to keep more rights for himself because typically these buyouts are buyouts. They get the movie forever. And there is value there. And that's why these prices are inflated. But we're also seeing some pushback on some of these prices. The Nancy Myers movie that was uh, shopped around after Netflix passed at paying $150 million for a Scarlett Johansson, Nancy Myers movie. That movie is on hold right now because no one will pay the price. And there's many other packages that are out there. You know, the Ad- Adam McKay is trying to get his next movie sold to a streamer. And he's getting a lot of people balking at it because it's very expensive and they don't know necessarily what the return is going to be. And the Adam McKay movies I don't know how well they would do in theaters. Typically, he has not been a theatrical hit director. They do okay. Vice did okay, and uh, Big Short did okay. But it's not like a, you know, and I think Don't Look Up probably would have done well in theaters just because it had DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. But he's not necessarily known as a big theatrical draw. So do you take the those as signs that Air is now more the exception to the rule or that air was made right before companies got more cautious about spending. Cause that's what it feels like to me is that air was of an era 
when there was still somewhat irrational spending. And you can still get those for certain titles with with big talent. Um, but 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 not all of them. And most things are not gonna sell for crazy numbers. I mean, the we've we've obviously talked before uh about sort of this new era in in spending in Hollywood. And while budgets aren't coming way down, I, I do feel like some of the irrational exuberance is is over. Um, yeah, I gonna- think it's still there at Amazon and Apple. They still seem to have an appetite for the big star-driven movie package. And, you know, the second movie from Ben Affleck's company, this uh, thriller with Matt Damon and Casey Affleck that was called The Imposters. I don't know what the new title is, but that sold. That sold to Apple, I believe. And so they're selling movies. It's the economics, I think, are the interesting thing. And I am not quite sold on what the theatrical element is going to be here, other than a nice little boon for theater owners. They are loving this, you know, because this is what's fallen out of the business is these movies that gross 50 to $70 million and come at you rapid fire. The number of re- those releases has really dropped where we have the gigantic hits and then we have the movies that do nothing. They need more of the man called autos or airs. Those types of movies are the ones that fill seats when the blockbusters uh, aren't around. Yeah, I mean, the problem for them is that most of those movies to the c- kind of where we started don't make money, right? Like, did th- this movie, yeah. the, the Pope's... Well, that's the whole reason we're talking about this. This movie, the, this movie, The Pope's Exorcist, that came out this past weekend, I can't imagine that's done super well. Renfield... It did. Also- no, The Pope's Exorcist did okay because it cost $18 million. Okay. And it grossed, like... $10 million this weekend and it will actually make money. It's Renfield that got screwed because that movie cost $65 million and opened to seven point something million dollars. You can't do that. Like Universal shit to bed on this one because they opened a horror comedy against other horror movies and there was just no appetite for this kind of a project at that price point. Well, and everything's sort of getting squashed by Super Mario. Yes, as you like to mention, because that's your. I had to bring it up. Draft. You know, yes. it's 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 that seven hundred. Still, million. don't think it'll be the year's biggest movie. I think it'll top out at one point one, one point two, which is great result. But one of these other summer movies, if they catch, they could do one two, one three, one five. Separate topic. We'll see. All right, Lucas. I don't think we're going to get an answer on this one. I think we're going to have to see how this stuff plays out because we'll know in a year or two Based whether on what these else streaming they buy. services are getting a return on this stuff, whether they continue to do it. Well, that means you still have time to, to sell them your idea. <laughs> exactly. I, know you've got a ba- I know you've got a baseball drama in you. I do. I do. Ben Affleck will direct it and will sell it for $200 million. And we'll just, it'll cost 20 to make, and he and I will keep the profits. Yeah. Get John Hamm in there in some way. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks, Matt. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone star in Hulu's limited series Under the Bridge, a chilling true crime story based on the acclaimed novel. Hailed as a riveting and heartbreakingly realistic work by the Chicago Sun-Times and featuring excellent performances, according to Time magazine, the series is for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including outstanding limited series and outstanding supporting actress in a limited series for Keough and Gladstone. For more information, visit fyc.hulu.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard. 
the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. All right, we're back with the call sheet. Craig, are you following this Love is Blind drama with Netflix? Yeah, it was it was a big topic on Twitter. A lot of people were pissed off. I was getting some texts. Yeah. It is amazing when giant corporations completely fuck something up like this. And they have to make some like super earnest apologetic tweet. (laughs) So what happened was this was supposed to be the big live stream event for the season four finale of Love is Blind, a very popular reality show. My wife watches it. Yep. My fiance watches it. Yes. And they had to delay it because the live stream wasn't working and then they got it going and then it still didn't work and they basically had to i think it's up on the site now but it was delayed a long time because of internal technical snafus that netflix did not detail in its tweets and uh, i asked them for further clarification this morning and they were unwilling to provide further clarification um not great when you are trying to establish yourself as a live television hub I wonder how long it will take for streamers to truly nail live television. I know Amazon's practically done it with Thursday Night Football, but every other service seems to just have issue after issue. And even with something like uh, streaming sports, there's always delays. People hate that. There's been a lot of complaints about this YouTube TV Sunday ticket thing because Mm -hmm. for gamblers, this stream is going to be like 40 seconds behind the actual game. So you're not going to be able to live bet things. There's just so many issues that are involved with streaming live television and sports. Yeah. And TV had a long time to perfect it, and it's just a different medium. It's much harder to live stream something. Netflix did okay with the Chris Rock special, uh, but that's actually my prediction here. Netflix has not announced any other live events other than the SAG Awards next year in February. My prediction is they are going to quietly pause the live endeavor for now until they can figure their shit out and make sure that it doesn't crash. I don't think we'll get a public firing or something. They're going to have to address it on the earnings call tomorrow. Bad timing. They have an earnings call scheduled for Tuesday. But um, I think they're just going to hit the pause button for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if this happened to my Selling Sunset live reunion show, I'd be more upset. (laughs) The hell to pay. You must know (laughs) if it goes for above market or below market. Yeah, they're not alone. I don't want to shit on Netflix here. I mean, they a lot of the streamers, as you mentioned, have had these issues. And, you know, Disney Plus did okay with, like, the Elton John concert. And they've done some other lives things. Um, they did Dancing with the Stars. They did the reveals on that. You know, Netflix, it's like they're trying to make this stuff available to 230 million people worldwide at the same time. That's a lot of people. You know, Game of Thrones caused HBO Max to crash. Like, there's there's been a lot of issues with this stuff. It's not easy. No, I mean, even like legacy broadcast companies like CBS, when you would try to watch the Super Bowl on whatever it was called back then, CBS All Access, there was Mm. always delays and lags in that stuff. People have never really been able to nail it. Yeah. Luckily, the stakes are so low with Love is Blind. (laughs) Honestly, it it probably drove conversation. Oh, that's a popular show. People were tweeting at me as if I had something to do with it last night. Easy. You know, that we can see, we can, we can wait a little bit to find out if they're truly meant to be together. Spoiler, they're probably not. They're probably not. I know. Nobody is. All right. That's the show for today. I want to thank Lucas Shaw for coming on again. I want to thank producer Craig Holbrook. And I want to thank you. We will see you on Wednesday. <laughs>